Hello and welcome to Movie Challenge Accepted. I'm Jason. And I am Marco. And I've got to apologize straight off the bat. You guys are listening to this. You see which movies are on this episode. Uh, we're a little embarrassed here at Movie Challenge Accepted because it, we we gave, we gave challenged each other with the exact same movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. It's funny you say that because... I don't think we did, and I thought and I thought that uh, they were going to be similar movies, but I don't think they were. Uh, this is a deep, this is a curveball for sure, folks. Yeah, we have traditionally gone. I mean, the the way you can kind of look at this is I try to go quote unquote highbrow with some of my choices, or yeah. at least a little more esoteric and obscure. Right. And Arco leans into the more crowd pleasing tentpole summer Hollywood blockbusters, That's popular ones, right? So the origin of this, or this episode, we're doing John Wick and Nobody. Mm -hmm. And the origin of this episode was you gave me John Wick because oddly enough, despite the fact that there have been apparently 17 John Wick films. <laughs> three, stop it. <laughs> I have never seen John Wick. And more importantly, you made no effort to see John Wick. So even though we had spoken about it on our thread in the past before, you just it never came up that you wanted to see it for whatever reason. So it made it perfect for me to challenge you with it. Yeah, I don't quite understand how this has happened. And I think it's a byproduct of there just being so much pop culture right. that it is almost impossible to watch everything you want to see. Exactly. And so while John Wick has become sort of ubiquitous in our culture and there are YouTube videos of Keanu Reeves at gun rages out in California right, right, just right. practicing mm -hmm. for hours and hours. Right. And everyone I know is like, oh, my God, John Wick's the greatest thing ever. I never watched it. Okay. And then the origin was is I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago. And one day I just wanted to, you know, kind of an introvert, need to get away from people every now and then. <laughs> and uh, what better way to get away from people than with the Bob Odenkirk uh, revenge fantasy? Nobody. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a definitely and a good way it... to get away from people. Yes. Very good. <laughs> yes. And I threw it on. And I had... An amazing time. And I was like, hey, this is a good time. Mm -hmm. Didn't really think that much after it. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Okay. You challenged me last week with John Wick. Right. And I decided to go back at you with nobody. Mm -hmm. And I did not realize that they are written by the same writer, Derek Kolstad. Yes. And I did not realize until <laughs> about 35 minutes into, into the movie last night, into mm -hmm. John Wick, right. that... It's essentially the same movie. It's done in a different way. Yeah. It's funny right. you say that, but all right, we'll, 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 get, we'll get into it. So where do you want to start then? See, when I challenged right. you and I said last week, I said, um, I said uh, I'm going to give you the original and you gave me the copy. That's what I thought originally because I had been um, hesitant to watch Nobody originally on my own because I said, I don't need a, a John Wick knockoff. But that's not what it is in my opinion so where do you want to start yeah i, I i'm i'm being a little facetious and it's kind of a hot take just right, for the right. sake of, of being a hot take <laughs> machine right. and it's not the same movie and i would argue mm -hmm. that nobody is the pure expression of the john wick conceit hmm. okay all right well make your point then so you want to go first well i so i think these movies are so close and i mm. I, I don't know if we can, if we really need to separate them, I, right, I think right. it might be almost impossible to discuss them as two separate films. And okay. I think maybe the okay. more interesting way to approach this is to sort of 
pull apart. Okay. That's good. That's fine. We can uh, you know mix them up together and 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 see which what sticks. I I agree with you. You're right. So John Wick and and I'd known this and maybe this was a reason why I'd stayed away from it. He's driven in back and he's a professional uh, elite professional hitman. assassin and hitman mm-hmm. for hire. He's retired. He loses his wife to cancer and then. Theon Greyjoy shows up and <laughs> takes his Ford Mustang and kills his dog, which was given to him by his dying wife. Right. And I'm a dog lover. I have a golden retriever sitting right next to me as I'm recording. Right, right. I have a very hard time watching animal animal deaths or animal torture or mm-hmm. mistreatment of animals. It's me prob- too. I can, yeah, yeah, I can. I think most people. Matter of fact, there's sort of like a a saying or, or a witticism in. in in screenwriting circles and in writing circles is that you really can't depict an animal getting killed because it's going to turn off your, your viewer. Okay. That's understandable. And in this movie, what it does is it serves as the mechanism that turns John Wick back into John Wick. Right. And it brings him out of retirement and it sends him out on revenge. So it's a classic revenge fantasy movie. Okay. Okay. Nobody doesn't need that now these movies came John Wick came out in 2014 nobody came out in 2021 right and I think what's fascinating about the two movies to discuss them is that nobody dispenses with the need to have a motive for revenge right what Odenkirk's character Hutch Mansell is yearning for is a desire to be what he really is Yes, that's and that and that's the, the the biggest part. He is bored in his life of of normalcy, and you could tell from the montage of his daily of uh, of Bill, his daily routine. You know, wake up, make breakfast, go to work, punch in the numbers, go home, and repeat and repeat and repeat. And it just it's basically eating him alive on the inside to the point that he's no longer the person he wants to be, and his family sees it also. Uh, whereas John Wick wants nothing to do with what he really is and that is the cold-blooded killer and has enjoyed the life that he has led the last five years away from that with his wife yeah and and the key here is uh, is not the key but the way to explore that is kind of like what has changed in our culture in the seven intervening years between 2014 and 2021 where now hutch mansell feels you know, uh, trapped like less than a man. He's trapped in yeah, this in yeah. in this world. Um, he feels neutered in a way, and uh, that, all he does, yeah, yeah. He's he's just he's a guy who keeps forgetting the trash man, and he goes into work, and he goes home, and and that's his life. He 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 runs and he does pull ups at the bus stop, but for the most part, <laughs> yeah. he's a supremely ha- unhappy man. Right. And I think where nobody is the more interesting film is the fact that the only thing Hutch Mansell wants Mm -hmm. is a chance to beat someone to a bloody pulp. Yes. Okay. So uh, another big difference uh, that I see uh, between the two films is um, back in 2008, Liam Neeson came out with Taken and a lot of a few other movies came out after that, which were blatant ripoffs of that and uh while john wick was not that uh, i was incorrect in thinking that nobody was actually a copy of john wick it's actually more of a copy of taken and uh where you have a 
unassuming looking character like Liam Neeson or, or Bob Odenkirk. And they have these particular abilities, that uh, special skill set that they have, you know, lying underneath. And something brings it out of them that they go whole hog wild on everybody, you know, kill everybody with the, with a pencil, basically. So uh, that, that was my mistake. But I have to be honest with you. I think that nobody it is an easier film to watch. I just don't know if it's as entertaining to me as John Wick was. See, that's interesting because I come at it from the from the other side. So the the directors are different, right? The directors of John Wick are Chad Stahelski, right. and there's an uncredited director, David Leach, who's okay. also one of the producers. Mm -hmm. And apparently, Stahelski was Keanu Reeves' stuntman in the Matrix films. Okay. Um, is what I got. And he's essentially a stuntman. And what the John Wick movie is, is a vehicle. What the plot, what plot exists, exists solely as a vehicle for Stahelski and his stunt team to come up with wildly inventive ways. Er, eh, actually, I'm not even so sure about that. Come oh, up with boy. <laughs> cinematic ways for John Wick to kill people. So I come at this from the other end where I think that the plot that exists in John Wick, what plot does exist? And but neither of these movies are, are plot dependent, right? They're they're just right. they're essentially vehicles for people to kill each other. And in John Wick, I would argue that nobody does it a little more inventively. It's a different director. The director of Nobody is named uh, Ilya Neischuller, who's right. a uh, who's a Russian director. He directed a movie, a, f a first person POV movie oh, called yes. Hardcore Henry. Did you did did you happen to see that? No, I, mean, I know we've spoken about it, and uh, I, I think we made fun of it for lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, it was, it was, it was a tough watch, and I probably saw about five or ten minutes of it before I'm like, yeah, I can't watch this any longer. Yeah, no, I, I have no desire to see that. And <laughs> and I I'll admit it kind of kept me away from nobody because I'm a huge Odenkirk fan. I'm he was amazing right. in Breaking Bad. He's even right. better in Better Call Saul. He also had a really good small part in Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women, for those of you on the podcast who are into Greta Gerwig and uh, that movie, that her take on Little Women, really uh -huh. good movie. Okay. O Odenkirk's in it. So th that director kind of kept me away from it. But oddly, I kind of think that movie is a little more inventive in its action because mm -hmm. while John Wick is awesome for the first 75% of it, mm -hmm. I thought it ends up relying a little too much on Keanu's natural gun play abilities. Okay. And, and it kind of just becomes sort of a him shooting people in the face very close and then a little farther away, a little mm -hmm. more range on his shots. Mm -hmm. And then he employs a sniper rifle, so he's backing up even further. <laughs> but the movie is at its most propulsive in the club about at the halfway point. Right. It, it, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think you are correct that it, it probably works a little bit better when it's uh, almost hand to hand combat and uh, there's a little bit more interaction. So I agree that the stylized violence in John Wick it looks better. Um, but I will argue that I believe overall not only looks better but i think it works better i it's it's a little bit more quote unquote air quote here believable in what i'm seeing uh rather than odenkirk's take on it where he is an every man uh he's you and me and he's able to do the things that he does yeah but odenkirk was also a government assassin 
Yes, yes, he was. So, like, the, he he is he's every man, yes, but he's also a guy who spent presumably like 15, 20 years killing people on contracts for the government. So he's not quite you and I. Like, obviously, Keanu is how old was he when he made this? Probably like 46, 40, because he's in his 50s now. Uh, well, came out in 19, excuse me, 2014, and that was eight years ago. Uh, he was born in 1964, so you do the math. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so he's, uh, he's. oh, you know what? Keanu was born in Beirut. I did not know that. Yes, uh, oh, yes interesting. 57 now, so yes, so he was about 50 years old when it came out. Yeah, um, so, yeah. And he's and he's awesome. Like as as and Odenkirk's also. I mean, Odenkirk has has a uh, a longer bridge to cross because he had never done any action. Whereas obviously Keanu is is Neo, yeah, and absolutely. probably you know sort of set the template for this kind of character and the inventive fight scenes that came with the Matrix trilogy, or at least the first two. Oh, I agree. It, I definitely thought that it, it, Odenkirk had to work harder for us to take this him and this film seriously i i totally agree the memes that i saw leading into this film were like you know now they're getting everybody to you know to be john wick these days and uh, obviously because he just wasn't the the type of person that you would see um in in this type of film or you know or want to see so yes he definitely worked harder at it it worked well I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, the the hyper stylized violence to me is 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 something that agreed with me more than um, the watered down version of it with uh, with nobody. Because it's like John Wick. The further it goes on, it kind of retains that very hardcore, kind of sort of believable sense of reality, even though he exists in a world where. Delmonico Steakhouse is actually the Continental Hotel, which services yes, a whole cadre yes, yes, of traveling cool. hit men that come and, and hit women, like mm -hmm. Tyra from Friday Night Lights, who oh, shows up. And, was, was that who that was? I, yes. I couldn't tell. Yes, I couldn't tell. Perkins, who who played it very well. <laughs> she was excellent. Adrian Pilecki uh, yes, as yes, Miss yes. Perkins, who, mm -hmm. who for many years uh, broke hearts on Friday Night Lights as Tyra. Okay. There you go. Uh, but yeah, like I thought the world building in and and that's and this is kind of where I'm going with this. Okay. John Wick has a vision of a universe that exists just below the surface of the right. world we know. Right. Where Willem Dafoe and Keanu Reeves and um, Ian McShane. Ian McShane and and also <laughs> about seventy percent of the cast of The Wire, Lance Reddick. And, oh, uh, Lance Reddick is so good, and I never saw. I, I, I'm not a Wire fan, so I wouldn't know that he was in that. But when I saw him in this film, I'm like, "Who is this guy? He's got a presence to him, and he's yeah. done so much stuff since then, including video games, which, I, that, which I'm, 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 I'm a fan of. So he is a great actor. Well, and also Clark Peters, who plays Harry, who who's only in two scenes before Miss Perkins gets uh, the better yes, of him and yes. shoots him in the head. Yeah, he's yeah, also yeah. in The Wire. Yeah, so yeah. two of the best actors in The Wire show up in this. And the creation of sort of this underworld that exists underneath the surface of the world we know. I thought that was fascinating. Now, and I know that that's what they explore, I think. I shouldn't yes, say no. Yeah, no, no. You are correct. And I know where you're going with that. Um, my mistake was not remembering, even though I've seen this movie a bunch of times, I just had not seen it recently, that there was not actually as much world building in the first one as there is in the second one. You really just... It ju just the surface of it uh, in this one. So... Yeah. Be ready for uh, be ready for a number two challenge at some time in the near future because I think that one may 
Well, I mean, it is it is thought of to be the best of the three so far, and I know there's a fourth coming out. I just think that the world building that you're that I was expecting you to really get is going to be in that one. Do you know that Derek Holstead, who is the writer of John Wick, is currently producing a TV series called The Continental? I think I'm. I may have heard that. Uh, I just don't remember. Uh, is that recent news, or did that come out like during the pandemic? I don't know when the news hit, but it's currently in production, and the logline on IMDb is, The Continental's a chain of hotels located around the world that function as neutral territory for members of the criminal underworld. Right. So essentially, it's exploring the concept of the hotel where where you cannot kill each other, and Ms. Jenkins obviously pays, as Ian McShane says, by thine own hand, <laughs> by your thine membership own hand. at the Continental has been revoked. Exactly, um, exactly. Fucking McShane, man. Oh, God. Anytime he, he, he shows he up. He chews the scenery. He really does. He did such a great job in these films. You, you, you really root for him, uh, even though you don't really know which side he's on. And I'm assuming I'm, that he gets ex his character gets explored more in the yes, subsequent yes, very, two very, chapters. Very much so. That's why I think that I think that at the very least you'll have to see at least one more to really get a a good idea of where we're, where we're at. Yeah, like I I feel as though it's kind of funny because I've never seen uh, up until last night I hadn't seen any of the John Wick films, mm -hmm. but this this version of Keanu in the suit and the slick back hair and the right. struggle beard have been so present in pop culture that right. I feel as though I had seen them, you right. know? I, I agree. I agree. And they, I know... Yeah, they even they even had him as a guest in one of the movies. I think it was a Netflix, a Netflix film. I can't remember what it was. It was oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Right, right. It was a, kind of a, like a fake cameo appearance. And he comes in with his, uh, his beard, the slick back hair, the suit, and uh, he's got glasses on. And I think the... Um, the uh, the the other actor and I, I can't remember his Asian American actor I can't remember his name wasn't it like a rom com it was a romance he... comedy it was a with the uh, on Netflix and uh, it was a Asian American romance comedy if if I'm not mistaken always and... be my maybe was that it yes yes always be my maybe there you go and they're like I didn't know you wore glasses and he goes no oh, no I don't they're just for just for a part I'm playing see you <laughs> and uh, he he just he just plays a really good part in that and really fast but uh, he has played he has. He has been in the culture in this particular way for the last almost 10 years. And, you know, Keanu, for what we know of him, he's he's had a very long career, but it has it has been a very uneven career. I mean, he had some hits in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, didn't do much until The Matrix came out in the late 90s. You know, can you tell me anything he did in between The Matrix and then... Uh, this uh, John Wick, that was so, good. <laughs> so I know that like Keanu, it's it's kind of funny because like you're saying he's been around since right. the mid '80s. Yeah, absolutely. Is when he first started acting. I mean, Bill and Ted's first movie was 1989, right? And then obviously Point Break, and he's kind of doing a, a lot of the action stuff. He's in he he does some dramas, and he steps off in, into the other world, a, a Walk in the Clouds, and mm -hmm. My Own Private Idaho. Right. But yeah, you know, after Speed, and and he hits the Matrix and. 99. 99. Uh, let's see. I love let's Devil's see. Advocate, which came out in 97. I yeah. know he, he did a movie called A Scanner Darkly. Not my type of film. Maybe yours. Yeah, that was a, I think that was a Philip K. Dick, an yeah. adaptation of yeah. a Philip K. Dick novel. Yeah, not my not my type of film. Um, You know, he was... It, uh, jury's Did out on the day the, the Earth stood still. <laughs> Did you ever see Constantine? 
loved Constantine. Okay, Very good movie. Lo- highly lo- underrated. Highly, highly underrated. I mean, just overall, the entire film was was fantastic. You know, let's be honest. He has a certain way of acting that turns off a lot of people. He's not a classically trained thespian. He, he, his delivery from 1985 to now is the same. He, yeah, he's not. He doesn't apologize for it, and he still gets work. God bless him. And I believe that this role of John Wick, where you need to, where he needs to be, uh, he needs to show no emotion. Um, he needs to <laughs> act like a wooden statue. You know, this, this is this is perfect for him. This was his his beautiful part that finally came to him. And look at it. He's he's had a a, reson- uh, a renaissance in his acting career in the last 10 years because of it. Yeah, you know, you're kind of right. Like, there's not a lot between The Matrix Reloaded and John Wick, which are 12 years apart. The movie that came out right before this was a total bomb, 47 Ronin. 47 Ronin. Which which I've seen, and... It, it, the, the movie doesn't make sense to me. I know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story, uh, it's a tale, a Japanese tale, an old-time Japanese tale. But it, you know, I, I, his part in it doesn't make any sense to me. The movie was a, a monumental failure. So for him to to come back a year later and do John Wick really came out of nowhere, and it was well received, and and to the point that it's started its own franchise. You know, how many actors can say they are timeless icons? They're ca- they've played characters that have become sort of timeless pop culture icons in two separate for two separate generations. Like to uh, me, he's always going to be Neo. Uh, okay, you Neo to you. I'm not a huge I'm not a huge Matrix fan. I, I could have stopped at one and been perfectly happy with it. Um, however, we, you know, uh, the late nine late eighties. <laughs> he's uh, uh, he's he's uh, Theodore. <laughs> he's Ted. Uh, he is Ted, right? Yeah, he's Ted. Right? Yeah, he's and, Ted. Uh, you know, Bill and Ted. Are you kidding me? I love those movies. I saw those movies in the movie theater. You know, Speed was a fantastic. Was a huge blockbuster in uh, in '94. So yeah, how many people can say that they've done it once, let alone two or three times in their career? Yeah, like the only the the, the name that that jumps to mind is Har- is Harrison Ford with Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and, and, and I mean. And a couple of uh, you know Tom Clancy uh, roles, right? Uh, well, that- yeah, yeah, that's right. He did play Jack Ryan a few yeah. times. Mm-hmm, absolutely, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean Harrison Ford. If you look at his IMDb, Harrison Ford had one of has has one of the all time uh, IMDb. Oh yeah, resumes absolutely. in terms of just a consistency that that he hits. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, it's weird that Keanu's sort of been in our lives for for so long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, this is something, because you've mentioned a few times that, you know, mm-hmm. I dabble in writing. I'm trying to, to I'm trying working on a few projects. But I mm-hmm. talk to authors that are published, and I've talked to a few screenwriters, and I kind of ask them the same question. I'd be curious to ask you this, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Would you rather make one piece of art that exists for all time as like a touchstone, huge cultural moment that people go back to over and over again, or would you rather have a sort of even, unspectacular career that lasts a very long time? Hmm, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Seeing as how I'm trying to change careers in my in my light uh, my life so late now, I would probably go with the latter. However, I know that these actors that we see are 
you know, they're they're almost like tortured geniuses in a way that many of them aren't satisfied in their own performances, whether it be the acting or, or their music, whatever. So they, they're always looking to do something more, something something better. So even if their careers aren't what we think is great, the fact that they're still around to them means it's a success. So, I, you know, I, I just think it's the mindset and uh, where, where you land in the mindset is which one you're going to choose. You know, it's funny. I used to go to a, um, a, a grill, a barn grill uh, by my a precinct that I worked in a long time ago in the South Bronx. And there were a lot of like uh, aspiring actors who worked as, as waiters and waitresses and bartenders there. And there was one waitress there who was from Pittsburgh and she was trying to pursue musical theater. And I asked this question of her. I'm like, what would your ideal career as an actor be? And she said, the only thing I want is to be able to pay my bills through acting. Hmm. And so like you said, you know, like if you're just if you're doing the thing you love, maybe it's looking too much to say I have to make the next Godfather or I have to write the next Moby Dick. Right. And maybe for someone like Keanu who's been both John Wick and Neo and whatever the character was in Speed and to be able to still have like a 35-year career where he's yeah. just present in our lives. And, and also he's beloved in terms of... Oh, he's, he's, he, everybody loves him. Yeah, he's, he's one of the few sort of Hollywood types. That you, you never read like a bad take on him or a no. bad article or like he treats people poorly or, you know, he's offensive. Like he just seems to be a decent human being. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, maybe in this day and age, that's part of the reason why we, we love him as much as we do. Right. But... And, and also, he's not afraid to take on um, stranger roles. He did a um, quick minor role in The Neon Demon by uh, your guy, uh, directed by your guy, Nicholas Winding Refn. And uh, I know that <laughs> I've actually wikied that uh, film in the past. And boy, that is a <laughs> that is a trip and a half. It's on so, my list. Yeah. Oh, it's on your list. Oh, you've seen it for you. Oh, I've seen I, uh, oh, Nicholas. Oh, oh. I, listen, I, th this I have seen everything Nicholas Winding okay. Refn has done okay. since uh, Bronson. So okay. yes, it's on my list. So, so for you. So uh, the, uh, my point is that he is not afraid to take on roles. I loved Keanu Reeves in The Replacements. Okay, and that was a fun film to me. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, Gene Hackman for uh, his film. You know, I, mean, I probably one of the last films he did really and uh and him uh, you know, a lot of people were in that film that just had just started out john favreau was in that film so uh you know we going back to the 2000s he he was quiet from the mid you know from the uh, well he was working but nothing that we liked let's put it that way from the mid 2005 from mid 2000s to 2014 yeah, I mean, he, he's doing different things. He's, yeah. he's doing stuff that maybe you and I aren't really uh, drawn to, but right, yeah, right. that's that's fine, whatever. But, yeah. he's, but he's still yeah. working. The The flip side of this, mm -hmm. in terms of interesting careers, mm -hmm. is Bob Od Odenkirk. Very much so, yes. So Odenkirk became known to me as Saul Goodman in mm -hmm. Breaking Bad. Me too. And he's in 43 episodes of that. Probably my top two tv shows of all time maybe top three uh, definitely top three possibly top two mm -hmm. and but you look at him and i feel like he just kind of came out of nowhere i had heard of um mr show i don't know if you ever heard of that i heard of it never saw it 
Um, yeah, that is, so so like many many people, Bob Odenkirk came to the fore with uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, and and he he was kind of one of those where he's he also shows up and he's he's kind of old already. Like he's not he's yeah. he's one of those people like Sam Elliott was never younger than like what fifty two, right? right? Absolutely. Like he, Sam even Elliott he, even was, in his teens. <laughs> yeah, he was born with that beautiful salt and pepper head of hair and that uh-huh. mustache and, and that, that voice. voice. That voice. You stole my voice. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, a Star is Born. He's great in that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Mr. Mr. Show was on, I think, on HBO in like the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of feel like I don't, I didn't know anything about him after that. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he was a writer for a long time on Saturday Night Live. He was a writer in the early 90s for Saturday Night Live. And it's funny you mentioned that this, his career, because I read an article the other day about how he very much was against the skit the Chippendale skit that uh, Chris Farley and um, Patrick Swayze were in because it was demeaning to Farley, who at the time, you know, would do anything for a laugh. That was the kind of humor that he that he was that he gravitated to, like his idol, John Belushi. But, you know, his good friend, Bob Odenkirk, was against it because he says he hated the fact that everybody was laughing at the fact at the fact that Chris was fat. Not at the not at the actual skit itself, and he hated that skit. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a re- very recent um, in- an interview that he had, probably within the last two weeks. You could definitely find it. Huh? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he was also looking back before that. Like he's he's had a long career as a as a writer. Like yeah. he was on he was a writer for Dennis Miller. He was a writer for Conan O'Brien. He was a writer, as we said, for Saturday Night Live. Right. But like in front of the screen, he was on Larry Sanders, which is a great show. Mm-hmm. And then he has a bunch of like one-off episodes here and there. And it looks like he kind of came. I, I, I would love, you know, you know, a better podcaster would have done research on how Bob <laughs> Odenkirk got the Saul Goodman role. But you and I, what? No, no, we're, this no, is, no. We wing this it, is, we wing it, we wing it. <laughs> this is pure reaction. This is this is raw in the moment expression. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then it looks like he also had an eight-episode arc on How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Point is, I'm listing all this stuff to say nothing yeah. prepared you for the fact that Bob Odenkirk would be sitting in the back row of a city bus in a mm-hmm. unnamed city, right. Right. begging uh, a Hummer full of Russian thugs <laughs> to get on yeah. and hoping that they accost mm-hmm. another passenger so that he can do what he wants most, which yeah. is to just beat these people. He's, he's not waiting for someone... He's not waiting for someone to kill his dog. No, no. Even though his home gets broken into earlier in the movie by, mm-hmm. by a young couple and he mm-hmm. tracks them down. But he's just waiting for society to tell him he can be what he is. It's okay to be what, what you are. And obviously, right. in 2022, like we don't necessarily want men who get by on violence right like that's you know we're, we're going through a lot of cultural conversations regarding that so a lot of the a lot of the think pieces i've seen online regarding nobody kind of come down on the this film's a hell of a lot of fun to watch and is morally repugnant <laughs> it's actually it's actually true and you know and I, and I didn't really think about it at the time and i'm sorry that i'm that i'm that guy that doesn't think that way I just don't. Maybe it's because I'm 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 the age that I'm at, and while I try to be sensitive about what I'm watching and how it might affect other people, 
you know, if I'm watching something for a couple hours, I'm going to try and enjoy it as much as I possibly can. I don't find too much offense in a lot of the things that I watch unless it's really bad and like badly done. Then I'll be offended that they, they wasted my time with it. But I, I, I really don't get into why people don't like the film because they're offended by the masculinity of it. That's just my little take on that, you know, however we stand. I just think that there should be no sacred cows. And I think being offended... Um, not overtly like you don't want like neo-nazis running around on movies and making them the protagonists of your film but i also think that if that art as david foster wallace said art should be there to um soothe uh, Mm -hmm. to to discomfort the comfortable Mm -hmm. i'm gonna screw this whole plot this whole (laughs) i'm screwing this line up but david foster wallace essentially Mm -hmm. alluded to the fact that art should make people uncomfortable Okay. And not to say that nobody is art, it's not high art by any stretch, but I think it is pop culture and I think there is a everything is born every book, every TV show, every movie is sort of born of everything that a creator takes in and mm-hmm. absorbs and they process and they're subconscious and it comes out of them and they they're processing the world that's around them. And so there's a difference, right? A big difference between John Wick in 2014 being the reluctant uh, killer forced back into the role mm-hmm. and Bob Odenkirk's Hutch Mansell mm-hmm. was that really forced back into the role nope. he's he's going around looking for a fight yeah absolutely absolutely and that probably speaks quite a bit to a certain sense or a certain shared feeling that's pr- unspoken among men in our society in this day and age in terms of what we can and cannot be and we don't want Hutch Mansell because Hutch doesn't give a shit about his wife, uh, uh, Connie Nielsen, who played Commodus's sister in Gladiator. That's yes. where I know her from. Yes, really. Does that, is that that's the only place you know her from? Well, was she also in? Um, uh, 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 she was, who was in in the Marvel universe, right? Wasn't she? Oh yeah, no, she was. Um, she was. Oh in, no, in the Wonder, Wonder Woman Wonder universe. Mother. Yes, yes, yes. But no, that's not what I was saying. Actually, I I believe she was also in Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves. In fact, I'm oh, fairly, you're right. Fairly positive she was. Um, she was the well, basically his uh, half sister. <laughs> yep. You are right. I forgot yep. about that. Yep, yep, yep. So. But yeah, um, uh, Hutch Mansell's not a good guy to his family. He doesn't really care, even though. He does sort of take his son out of a situation where his son might have gotten hurt in the home invasion. Right, right. He does all the things before he becomes what he is. He does all the things you're supposed to do in this day and age. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you de-escalate, you step away. Right. When really, he is a seething cauldron of rage who just wants to both hit and be hit. He wants to be reminded he's alive because modern suburban life essentially has killed him. You know, as you're saying this, I'm trying to remember where I have actually seen this plot before, but a much more grandiose scale. And um, although he wasn't seething at the t- at uh, being just a normal um, fa- father of the home, leader of his home, he uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies was living a double life 
And, yes. uh, you know, he didn't. And of course, he was still out there doing his uh, spy stuff and everything and taking down governments left and right. And like in the beginning of the movie with Tom Arnold. But, uh, you know, by the end of both films, the families were in on 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 the life that the father was leading and they were OK with it. So like uh, Connie Nielsen, when they're buying the new home. You know, it's like, oh, well, we're going to need a basement. So, you know, this is uh, it, it, it sort of reminded me of that. And by the way, True Lies, fantastic film. Yeah, True Lies is a great yeah, film. Yeah, Highly yeah, underrated yeah. Uh, James Cameron yeah. movie. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. did, were you surprised when Michael Ironside showed up and <laughs> looked different than the Michael Ironside it's, I remember oh, from boy, the 80s and funny. 90s? It, it's, it's funny. You got these small films, and I wonder how they get the actors to be in them that they do. So Christopher Lloyd, you know, Christopher Lloyd is was always going to be Doc Brown to me, and a lot of people are going to know are going to know him as uh, the taxi character, and you know, to see him in this, it's like, well, what are you doing? I mean, why did the why did the director want you? And then Michael Ironside. <laughs> You know, the heavy of heavies from the 80s and 90s. And pick a film, and he's the bad guy in that film. And, uh, you know, I, I loved him in uh, Starship Troopers in 1997, but that was the last Total time I recall. saw him. Uh, Total Recall, yeah, of course, Total Recall. But the last time I saw him was 1997. I don't know what he's done since. Well, I can tell you, he's he's having a bit of renaissance because he's also in the Amanda Seyfried Hulu series about Elizabeth Holmes uh, and Theranos, The Dropout. Right, right, right. Okay, that's good. And uh, but again, it's just it it is jarring. And and I guess it's kind of unfair because when you live your life on the screen, so Mm -hmm. much of how you're recognized is 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 physically how you look. Right. And whenever whenever someone goes away for a time and they come back, it's a little surprising because you they are forever frozen in your mind as looking a certain way. It's funny you say that, though. You say go away. They don't go away. We just stop seeing them. We're not picking up the films that they've been doing. I'm sure he's been working for the last 20 years, but we haven't seen him in anything that we that we've watched uh, for the most part. So, um, okay, you you talk about like Michael Ironside and you also say Christopher Lloyd and why is he in this movie? Right. So, I, I, I thought actually that was the part of nobody that worked the least was mm-hmm. that final hyper over the top shootout yeah. in the in the warehouse in yeah. the in the production factory. Yeah, exactly. Largely because whenever you have Christopher Lloyd sort of walking around lugging uh, a rig full of double barreled shotguns, <laughs> yeah. it just looked odd. Uh, the guy's but, on an oxygen tank and he's <laughs> and he's blowing yeah. people away. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you something mm-hmm. crazy, all right? Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd mm-hmm. uh Born in 1938, which makes him 84 years old. Right, right. Put out five movies in 2021. That's amazing. I would not know that. He was in Nobody. He was in Senior Moment, Queen Bees, Next Stop Christmas, and he was in a Ben Affleck movie that I saw that wasn't actually that bad, The Tender Bar. Hmm. But in terms of working late into life, five movies at the age of 84, I hope... God... I love seeing that, man. Yeah, it just God gives me him. hope. God bless him. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. And of course, also, uh, who shows up in this movie, and I think he shows up way too late because for most of the movie, he's just a voice on a radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the RZA from, uh, from the Wu shows up. Yeah, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Uh, the Wu Tang Clan? No, you've never yeah. heard of them. I mean, I know who Wu Tang is. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know anybody from the Wu Tang Clan. I'm sorry. And I'm gonna get some. We're gonna get some blowback on that particular comment, <laughs> particularly from our friend Sharif, I'm sure, and the few other people that listen that like uh, that that liked Wu Tang. But I've never heard a Wu Tang song. 
Oh well, okay. You yeah. you might have and not even know it, but yeah. I, I I was in I was into Wu Tang for a little while. I'm yeah. I'm by no means a rap aficionado. There's right. just certain uh, certain old old school hip hop that speaks to me. Okay. Uh, them being New Yorkers, obviously they kind of speak to me. I also didn't realize that he'd he'd been in a few movies. He was in American Gangster. He was in GI Joe Retaliation. Mm. Yeah, he was in a few things. But yeah, uh, I, I just getting back to like the actual movies because again we ha- we haven't spoken about the plots beyond what sets these guys off <sighs> and it's a dog and it's the constraints of modern polite society mm-hmm. but it's, but again they kind of after that they become an engine for stunt directors to sort of have their way mm-hmm. and i think that and and you know a lot has evolved in eight years but i i was a little underwhelmed by by the action sequences in john wick the scene oh, that i was most that i let myself go the most was I, I said this before was in the club by the way mm-hmm. the exteriors uh john wick shot at least the exterior shot all in new york city because it exists in a, in our new york city right yes. like it yes. essentially is the world we know mm-hmm. and uh the continental hotel is delmonico steakhouse yep and the club the exteriors that they use for the club for the club shootout mm-hmm. i retired in that building oh wow um oh, right. yeah that that building is home to the New York City uh, Health and Welfare Benefits offices. And let me tell you something. It does not look on the inside like where Theon Greyjoy was having a uh, a, lax- a relaxing bath and a yeah. hot spa and a little schwitz and a shave. Are you sure? Uh, Maybe it just wasn't the level that you were uh, retiring on. They didn't show me the basement. I don't know. Maybe it's down there. That's Maybe funny. I just wasn't thought well enough of. But uh, yeah, the inside is, is kind of sad and, and a bit depressing. But yeah. it, it was... Yeah, this no, was a, a this is a great like New York City. Oh, I've been there movie. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I um I find it interesting that you were underwhelmed by the action set pieces and I'm I'm curious because I it, it that's a little bit of a strange thing for you to say because you've seen films and we've talked about films where there was a lot of action going on and you say it was too much. So were you expecting the movie that you know of John Wick to be more of a spectacle? I, and, I think yeah. I think that's a great question because when you see this, so now like I saw this eight years after it came out, mm-hmm. right? And so much has advanced in terms of action and the creativity that, that stunt directors and directors are, are putting into these movies. And you have to realize that if I'd seen it in 2004, I need to realize if I'd seen it in 2014, I, I guarantee you my take would have been totally different, right? right like, right. I just rewatched uh, The Matrix, the okay. first one, with okay. my wife. Mm-hmm. And to, to us, I think I can speak for you, the action in The Matrix is legendary. Like, bullet time, the fight scenes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Agent Smith. Okay. My wife watched it and she goes, man, that movie didn't look good at all. Wow, that's funny. That's funny. She says that. Well, so, what what would make her? A, what would what would then? What would impress her? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, are we as our vision of the movie? Because even when I watch it, like, there's the scene early on when uh, Trinity is is running from the agents, where she she leaps from the rooftop of one building, and she kind of sort of does a Superman flying bit mm-hmm, into the right. window of an adjoining building. It looks real bad by 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 2022 standards. It looks real bad. Okay. But in the moment when you and I saw that in theaters and, and everyone else saw that in theaters, that was like cutting edge, yeah. oh my God, sort of filmmaking. Gra- it was groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking. So 
with that being said, Jason, I, I and, and when I when I originally uh, gave you John Wick, I said I don't know if I gave you the second or third ones, uh, you know, because you know I wanted you to, you know, <laughs> it's not all about franchises. However, I, I I think that this particular franchise has got a little bit of everything, a, a little bit of something for everybody. It's got a, different genres in it, and it you know uh, martial arts action it's got the story it's, that tugs the heartstrings um you know and and if for you to get for, for me for me to hear from you that it, it was underwhelming because of the action it kind of makes me think that you're gonna have to see another one now uh you know we, we said that the um the the world building began in this one it really it, it just scratched the surface and and i think that in the next one is where you're gonna see the, the most and and fortunately I, I will tell you that in the next two movies I don't know if you'll see both of them but they they outdo the last film in 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 by way of um, set pieces with action films so I mean there's something to look forward to yeah and and th don't get me wrong like I had a really good time I enjoyed the movie I, I think the problem sometimes with the way we're doing this podcast or not really the way we're doing this podcast. But when I give you a movie like high and low, which came out in what, 1961, 62, right. It's very difficult for us to watch something in the year 2022 mm -hmm. and not bring all of our knowledge and all of our experience to this film. Right. 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 So everything that has happened, like I said, everything that's happened since John Wick one, I've taken in, in other forms and other movies and other experiences. Mm -hmm. And again, I have to think that if I saw this in the moment, I would have been even more blown away. Like, hey, I, I had a great time. Again, the, it, it is interesting, though, that um, the villains in both of these mm -hmm. are essentially like sort of over-the-top Russian mobsters. Yeah, and in fact, yeah. the the MacGuffin in, in or, or there's a there's a similar scene in both movies, which is why I was like, oh, my God, man, these are so similar. And then I realized it's the same writer who wrote it, and he wrote mm -hmm two different films for two different studios. Right. But right. the concept of like blowing up all this Russian mob money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> kind of weird where we are today. <laughs> well, that, so there's a, there's a conversation to be had about who we will allow, who we will accept as villains right. in our popular culture. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've moved away from portraying certain people as villains when we, tr when we're trying to finally see, um, people in a more three-dimensional light and you understand nuance but by the same token we have now decided that there are like certain character types that are only going to be villains and it seems okay. like forever in american movies the idea of like the russians as the bad guys like yeah. going back to red dawn and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. even before that mm -hmm. it just seems that they, and they're not having any favors done right now with what's going yeah. on in, in ukraine but they are just the acceptable villains. The reason why I bring this up mm -hmm. is that does not hold true for China as an entity. And again, this isn't to say you can't have a Chinese well, person. We know why. <laughs> well, the, and so, okay, what is your... I, I read a couple articles on this because I was working on a project and it was going to feature um, China, mm -hmm. quote unquote, not everyone in China, but like mm -hmm. the, the essentially the antagonist. Right. And... Right. I was told that that's not something Hollywood's doing right now. Nope, absolutely not, because Hollywood needs the money that China will be spending on their films. So, as I as I understand it, 
censors or movie censors will from China will screen the movie in advance, and if there are any changes that they feel need to be made, um, they will ask the they will tell the studios to make them so that in in particular anything that makes Chinese uh, look bad in any way. So there's an interesting story for those of you. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, there was an interesting story about the remake of Red Dawn. Did you see the remake? It came, it came out in like uh, 2015 yeah, or 14. I, I saw bits and pieces. I know that uh, it, they changed it to uh, North Korea rather than China. And one of the things, yes, and one of the things I did not know at the time is I think it was 20th Century Fox, but the studio that was making the movie had itself was paying back loans that it had taken out to, you know, finance various films over the years. And the loans it was paying back was paying back to a Chinese bank. And essentially, executives at Fox, and again, I think it was 20th Century Fox, I could be wrong. The executives at the studio were afraid to portray the villains in Red Dawn as the Chinese because they were afraid a Chinese bank that held the note for this loan over their head that the terms would be renegotiated in an unfavorable way. Right, right. And I find it kind of fascinating in terms of the realpolitik of who we are willing to portray or who we can logistically portray and still get something made as a villain. I, I find it very interesting, although I, I understand why. I mean, if the money... If the money that is put up or, or the money that needs to be brought in is coming from one particular part of the world, you're going to try and do your best not to piss them off. Yeah, and I mean, we can go down a whole different road that gets into like geopolitical tensions and, and sort of economic issues that I am not by any stretch of the imagination prepared to, <laughs> to to speak about with any authority. But I, I, I do find it kind of interesting that, you know, you can... You can put certain characters up there, and in this, in the case of nobody and John Wick, it's both like the Russians that also have very obvious accents. And we are, you know, you are going to give me your car, uh, says Theon Greyjoy. It's uh, all, well, by the way, his uh, his regular English accent was popping out a few times. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't do a very good job of it. But let me tell you something. Seeing as how. At the time, in 2014, when this movie came out, Theon Greyjoy was one of the most hated people on small screen with the Game of Thrones. Um, you know, you, you basically enjoyed that he got his comeuppance in this film. Great redemptive arc, though, in the end for Theon. Theon ended well in Game of Thrones. He's one yeah. of the few characters I thought that ended uh, honorably. Okay, well, I mean, you know, she still wants her elephants, but whatever. Hey, listen. That's how it goes. Well, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I enjoyed Nobody. I'm sorry that I didn't uh, say it earlier. I really enjoyed the film a lot. I, uh, you know, I felt bad that I said I, that I actually, uh, well, it's funny. Y you, you say it was the same film. I say it was basically a knockoff of Taken um, for the most part, in my opinion. And I think I've seen a, a bunch of reviews saying that it was more of a Taken film than John Wick. Than John Wick. Um, but you know what? Um uh, you know, oh, by the way, did you know that they're also thinking about having John Wick meet nobody? So I saw those articles, and I and initially Derek Kolstad, the writer, said it would be lazy, and I agree with him. If you have like uh, John Wick and Hutch Mansell sort of cross paths at a in an airport or or at the Continental, that they're existing in the same yeah, universe, that, that would be that would be cool. That uh, fine. That I, I would I would love that to be quite <sighs> honest with you. Wouldn't that be good? 
No, see, this is where we get into this whole idea that everything needs to be connected and you can't just tell a self-contained story. I like what they've done with John Wick. I like the whole, and I'm aware of the fact that they expand on this concept of Mm. the network of of Mm -hmm. assassins and and the whole world building that goes on. I'm cool with that. Okay. But you don't need to cross over. Not everything needs to be the Marvel Universe. Not everything needs to set up another movie, in my opinion. Um, Do you remember... uh... The Rock's first big film on his own. It wasn't... Uh, uh, the Rundown. Uh, the Rundown. Okay. Do you remember? You, you, you've seen it? Yes. And I know where you're going. Tell the oh, audience. Okay. <laughs> there was a scene in uh, pretty much the beginning of the film where uh, Dwayne Johnson's character, who I can't tell you his name, um, is a uh, bounty hunter, bodyguard type of guy. And uh, he's uh, going into a bar to collect money from somebody for his uh, employer. And uh, he passes by. Arnold Schwarzenegger coming out, basically looking like the Terminator, if I'm not mistaken. He had sunglasses on and everything. And uh, they nod at each other, and uh, off he goes. And Dwayne Johnson has said that that was like the passing, and this is really ballsy of him to say this, because this movie came out in like 2003, 2004, uh, early on in his career that could have went nowhere. But he goes, he goes, that to me was sort of like the passing of the baton from Arnold to me as the action star of, uh, of the future. Yeah, so, I remember what. Yeah, so something along those lines. I'd be okay with that if they just pass each other and uh, that's it. But, you know, a little Easter egg. What's wrong with that? I I would be more comfortable. I think nobody exists in a in a more over the top, almost comical sense of extreme violence. Um, I would be happy for him to live in his own world. Okay. And I okay. think they're going to do another one. I'm not sure. Again, my research was lacking, but it's my understanding that this was enough of a success that they're yeah. that they are thinking of doing a second yeah, one. They are. They are. Um, I I thought Odenkirk was awesome, and I think he he gives a performance that is so committed. Yeah. The line like "Give me the fucking kitty cat bracelet," I think, is probably <laughs> one of the most underrated lines in in recent movies. Yeah, but, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm okay with with uh, with him living in his is in in his own world. Mm-hmm. You know, not not everything needs to needs to connect. All right, all right. That's uh, listen. I, I enjoyed the film, and uh, anybody, uh, I enjoyed both of these films. In fact. Um, I watched nobody once, but I saw John Wick one and two twice over the last few days, just so I could uh, refamiliarize myself with them. And uh, they 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 were it was fantastic. We are dedicated podcasters. Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. you mm-hmm. not only do you watch these films to the degree that you watch them and take notes and and expound mm-hmm. upon your mic and and your thoughts here, but you also go on other shows. Yes, correct. Yes, yes I did. I I was a guest on uh, once again on my on our good friends uh, at uh, Secret Origins of Mink Condition podcast this past Wednesday. I'm uh, I was remiss in not saying it early, a little bit earlier, but that podcast that I was on is up right now. We did a deep dive on my favorite comic book group, the X-Men. If you folks love comics, if uh, you guys love the X-Men, please give this podcast a listen. I guarantee you that I pretty much said everything over 60 years of X-Men history in it. In, in, in an hour, so it was it was pretty impressive actually, uh, but more importantly, you know what these guys have a great podcast. Uh, they a few a few weeks ago, they did uh, a two parter on the Ghostbusters franchise, and let me tell you something: they were so passionate and did such a great deep dive into the movies, the characters, and what it meant to them when they first saw them. They're a little bit younger than you and I, Jason, but 
they made me want to go out and rewatch Ghostbusters 2, which I did not think was a great movie, but I may have to see it again just so I could maybe see it through their eyes a little bit. So uh, Secret Origins of Mint Condition with uh, James, Chris, and Joe. Uh, give them a listen and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, we're going to link to that episode in the show notes down below. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you'll be able to listen to, to those guys. They've had a lot of fun. You've been on there twice now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, twice. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're thinking about maybe having uh, them on and see what we can do with some kind of uh, our own deep dive into uh, one particular franchise or another, see what we can do for a special one. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's hope it works out. Speaking of franchises, oh, one boy. other thing we're going we're gonna to hit on before we leave. Cause, yes, we uh, are. Yes, we are. X-Men is very close to you, as is uh, uh, Spider-Man, the comic books. Um, right, right. For me, my, my character growing up was Batman. Right. And this week, I went to see Matt Reeves' uh, take, Robert Pattinson, Zoe mm-hmm. uh, Kravitz, the Batman. Right, right. You are seeing it on Monday, hopefully? I am hopefully seeing it on Monday, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it with you. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do an episode on this because yeah. this 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 one's gonna be for me. This is gonna be another yeah. unchallenged. Mm-hmm. Last time we did Spider Man No Way Home unchallenged, mm-hmm. that was because I felt like I had to be part of the cultural moment. Right, right. This one is gonna be a six hour podcast of me just talking <laughs> at length about how this movie changed my life. Okay. Well, fair uh, warning. Obviously, about this. it's a positive uh it was a positive result, folks, and I'm hoping to have the same one. I love Batman also. I remember getting off the bus uh, with my friends in uh, 1989 to see that uh that film and and uh with Tim Burton and uh, Michael Keaton. I've loved it ever since. Of course, they've had some misses and uh but I, I look forward I look forward to seeing this film and an, a new take once again. Hey, did you know? I feel like I didn't know this in the moment, but did you know that when Michael Keaton was announced, it was hated by oh, Batman fans? Oh yeah, it was hated because I did not I, remember that. Now, now you have to realize when they say announced, it's not like it is today. Twitter universe goes crazy. You can you can find an article on YouTube and everything. No, it was. In the magazines and in the press, if you heard it, uh, it was it, you know it talked amongst ourselves. It was hated. You couldn't, you couldn't, you could not picture Mister Mom in that outfit. And apparently, no, no. The, you know, you talk about how like there's no, you know, there's no Twitter now. There's no you. There, then there was no YouTube. Right. But apparently, people wrote letters. Yeah, they yeah. were so enraged <laughs> they obtained pen and paper and oh, yeah. stamp. They went to a post office to mm-hmm. express how angry they were at the fact that Michael Keaton was going to play Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and he pulled it off. I haven't rewatched it in a while, but I I love that movie. But yeah. I will say. Pattinson got a lot of the same heat. I wasn't so sure. I love mm-hmm. Pattinson as an actor. He's one of my favorite actors. I wasn't so sure he could pull it off. And I, I remember saying you were worried. I was worried. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I'm I'm worried no longer. Okay. Give right. give me more Pattinson Batman. <laughs> okay. It was like watching a My Chemical Romance movie uh, uh, album come to life. It was wow. It was tremendous. Wow. Okay. All right. Then uh, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Uh, all right, so uh, that's probably going to wrap this one up on the same movie, which is alternately called John Wick and right, or right. Nobody. So I guess now we're at the point in the show where we got to choose what we're going to do oh, for the next yeah. episode. I- I'm ready for you. Oh, okay. You got something. Tell you, give it to me, and then I'll see what I give you back. All right. Well, you know what? I'm gonna we're gonna stick to my love of popular blockbuster films of uh, the last ten years or so. Uh, we've spoken of this film, and I don't think you've caught it. Uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service. 
Is this the first one? The first one, yes, the first one. Uh, It's the only one you're going to (laughs) see. I guarantee you on this one. Uh, Matthew Vaughn directed it, and um, it was another one of those films. Again, 2014 was a great time for films to come out of nowhere. I know this was based on... um, on 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 the comic book called The Secret Service by Mark Mark Millar, who I'm a I'm a fan of. However, I did not see this film coming. And um, you know Samuel Jackson, Colin Firth, uh, um, Taron uh, Egerton, uh, Egerton, yes, uh, I think. Oh uh, man, Taron he Egerton. played. Uh, yeah. Taron Egerton played yes. uh, uh, Elton John and did all the his own yes, singing. Yes, 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 absolutely. So he's uh, Mark Strong is in this film. So you have a. Uh, it's a little bit of a Tinker Tailor soldier spy reunion in this film. Uh, Michael Caine also. So I am interested in. You seeing were only supposed on to blow the buddy doors <laughs> off. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you think of this film. I I loved it. I know that there is one particular um, actor in this film that really plays it over the top. And that may be the one thing that kind of takes away, but you know, whatever, uh, you know, I'll just, hey. uh, I, I think, I think, uh, I think you'll have a good time nonetheless. Matthew Vaughn did layer cake. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm down. I, 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 I can get one, down with yeah, that. It was, it was one of his first ones, I believe. Yeah. It's his first credited direct, uh, yeah. directorial credit in 2004. And, and, and that, that was a movie that I recently saw for the first time we spoke about that. So, uh, but he's been, uh, he's, he's worked with, um, uh, Guy Ritchie. You know, he produced uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels along with Snatch. So you you and I have had discussions about Mm -hmm. where Guy Ritchie has gone in the last 10 years. Last twenty years. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know, man. We need we need to lock him in a room. I didn't see Uh, the gentleman, did you? No, I do want to see it though. I do want to see it. And um, because I see little bit snippets of it, bits and pieces on on uh, Facebook videos every once in a while. And I'm like, you know, this looks good enough for me to watch at this point. So I think I am going to rent it at some point in the future. And I'll let you know. Okay. okay. All right. I will accept that challenge. Okay. Uh, Kingsman, the Secret Service. Yes. All right. I'm excited for that. Okay. Oh, where do I go? Where do I go? Uh, right. Again, people, like, as you know now, Arco is very precise, almost mm. surgical in how he assigns me these challenges, where yep. I, I am much more <laughs> by the seat of my pants here. That's all right. It seems to work out. We haven't done a foreign film in a while, no. and I was wondering if I should send you overseas sure. again. But then I, I veered away, and I think I'm going to give you something a little more recent. Okay. Are you familiar with the Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons uh, mentor, mentee mm. drama, Whiplash? We've, yeah, we've spoken about this, unfortunately. I, fortunately and unfortunately, I have seen the film. It is a, it is a tough watch, but a fantastic film. God damn you. Sorry. This is twice now. Well, you know, I need you know, to keep better it, notes it in our bother, conversations. It well, no, it doesn't bother me. Well, we didn't talk about it here, but it, does, it doesn't bother me that you gave me something that I've seen. It bothers me that we've really just spoken about this like in the last month. <laughs> Listen, man, there's a lot going on in the world. I can't I guess, be expected to constantly get, store everything in my head. Yeah, you ever? Sherlock Holmes used to tell Watson that you know the, the brain is like an attic. And there's only so much room, and he's not going to fill it up with boxes that you're, don't mean anything. Not right. to say that your your movie watching doesn't mean anything, but that's sort of where I go. All right, that's let me fine. just delete yeah. that right off. All right, okay. all right, fine. Okay, I tell you what we're going to do then. Okay. Um, you you did see Good Time, so I can't give you that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is now just uh, if anyone's still listening, it's just me thinking <laughs> out loud, which is also called talking. All right, you mentioned I had this one on my list. You mentioned it, and you said it was disturbing. And there's another mm-hmm. movie that I've kind of 
stayed away from because it is very disturbing. Okay. And I know you're not into body horror. I'm, I'm not, not into, into body, body horror. horror. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not going to give you that one yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nicholas Wending Refens, The Neon Demon. Okay. All right. All right. That is uh, the movie. I think that was with Dakota Fanning. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it is an indictment of Los Angeles and mm-hmm. sort of uh, uh, our addiction to appearances. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, it's a, like everything Refen does, it's mm-hmm. bloody and disturbing and it will unsettle you greatly. So mm. the Neon Demon for you. That challenge accepted. And uh, Kingsman, the Secret Service for me, right, uh, right. that will be in a week yep. from this Monday. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we are probably going to do that Batman episode. So Great. just uh, yeah. subscribe, keep your feeds listening to mm-hmm. that. Uh, you got anything else? You know, Jason, um, probably nothing that anybody else <laughs> listening would know about. But happy Ghost Day to you today. My, my one of our favorite bands released their album, uh, their fifth album, uh, Impera, and uh, I know you haven't heard it yet. I've been listening to it since it dropped at uh, midnight, and uh, you know, just I hope you enjoy it. I, I having I saw them about uh, three weeks ago in mm-hmm. concert up in yeah. Worcester, Massachusetts. I drove mm-hmm. ninety minutes each way to see them. Yeah. One of the best live shows I've ever seen. Yeah. I love Ghost. Uh, they're a great time. Absolutely. Yep. I'm going to listen to it and we will just quote lyrics back and forth at each other for the next three months. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and that's pretty much our lives. All right. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So I think that'll wrap this one up. Uh, again, man, thank you. Had a good time. John Wick and nobody. Yeah. Thank and you. Uh, thank you, everyone, if you're still here for listening mm-hmm. to Movie Challenge Accepted. And we will see you next time. Take care, everybody. Yeah.